What is up, team? Welcome back to the show. Today, it is Coach Andrea and I once again for another Q&A. Andrea, what has been going on with you this last week? Anything new to fill us in on? Also, Merry Christmas. Yeah, Merry Christmas. Uh, there's not really been anything new. I feel like with, I mean, with Christmas, there's, you know, stuff at the kids' school and um, things like that. But as far as training and nutrition, everything has just been staying the same. And then we'll have um, a trip that we're going on tomorrow and the next day and then we'll have Christmas. So things will get shaken up a little bit because of that. But yeah, everything's just been steady. Okay. Okay. Are you going to Nebraska for Christmas or are you staying home? No, we are actually staying here. Um, It'll be interesting. It's the first like Christmas by ourselves. Kind of sad, but at the same time, kind of. It's kind of nice to like not have all the traveling. I feel like it's just chaos, like going going back to Nebraska, and then like especially with Inigo, it's like we don't want to fly with her, so it's like an eighteen hour drive, and then yeah. it's just like last year on the drive back, there was the roads were like so bad with snow, like literally the entire trip outside of the last couple hours. So we're we're staying here at least for this year. We've kind of decided it, it may be easier to go back in the summers to visit. Yeah. more and then stay here for the holidays so yeah we are just kind of like that's what we did for thanksgiving as well we're kind of figuring out our own like holiday traditions so i don't know i know that like um saturday christmas eve what we bought each other different ugly christmas sweaters so we like, can't show each other until i got her like a natty light one <laughs> and then uh, we're gonna go to like a few different like grab a drink at a few different places on christmas eve and then I think we are just cooking on Christmas day and that's, yeah, that's about it. But, um, not really much new on my end either. Got blood work done yesterday. I'm slowly working through my fear of needles. Um, I honestly did. Do you, do you ever donate plasma? I did in college. Yeah. I used to all the time at college due to like buy pre-workout yeah. or buy alcohol. And that was yeah. like, that just scarred me because that's the growth. That's like such a thick needle that they use too. Yeah. And you have to sit so long and it feels cold. It's a weird experience. So gross. When you feel it going back inside your vein. Yeah. yeah and your arm just feels all cold. Um, so I feel like since then <laughs> I'm always so freaked out with needles and I'm always so surprised at like how painless blood work actually is. Whereas like I have to like look away and then it's, it's actually not bad at all. So um, I'm interested to see kind of what that entails for us. And then Brandon and I from there are kind of mapping out. We want to get that back, which will realistically probably be like a week at least. Mm-hmm. Um, get that back and then kind of figure out the next steps from there. So as of now, I'm still following a relatively low volume training program. And last week I was just deloading. So yeah, really not a lot to report there. Um, I wish that we had more interesting lives so we could talk about more in this segment, but I don't feel like we actually have much to get into. So let's go ahead and get into the question. Sound good? Yeah, sounds good. Cool. All right. So first kick things off with the holiday spirit. Favorite holiday song and why is it Mariah Carey's All I Want for Christmas? <laughs> okay. So this was Natalie and I put up a story that I don't actually like that song and two-thirds of the people agreed with me I feel like it's overplayed and I'm not a huge Mariah Carey fan but there's one that I, I think it's new this year um there's one by Ed Sheeran and um Ed Sheeran's uh, the worst no yeah well his 
his regular music is okay, but this song is really good. It's him and um, oh my gosh, I'm forgetting like the most legendary singer's name. I do you know who I'm talking about? The most legendary singer. Oh, um, just remember it in just a minute. It's um, John Mayer. I, no, I can't believe I'm forgetting who this is. But anyway, it's a new one. Elton John. <laughs> good grief. Okay, Everyone got you. Uh, it's so good. And I think it's brand new, which usually it's like you just want to stick to the classics for Christmas. But it's really good. So it's way better than Mariah Carey's. I don't think I know that one. Sing a couple bars. I'm not going to do that, but <laughs> <laughs> you can look okay. it up. That's So that's your vote for the best Christmas song? For this year. For sure. Okay. Okay. What's like your classic all-time favorite Christmas song? Um, I don't know. I really don't know. I I feel like I like all of them a normal amount, except for all I want for Christmas, and that one's just okay. <laughs> just not that one. Yeah. Do you like that song? Um, I feel pretty neutral about it. I liked that thing that was going around like early November where it was like her like riding on a bike on a witch costume <laughs> and she was like laughing and then like it was crazy how what she can do with her voice where she like hit that super high pitched note and then it transitioned into that. I thought that was like kind of a cool thing. Um, past that, I think the best Christmas song is Mistletoe by Justin Bieber. I'm going to throw a sleeper. Yes, in there. That's not a classic Just- though. Okay. Or else that that would be my vote i mean a great christmas album um as a whole i think very underrated a cla- but my favorite classic would be silent night i think it's super cool like when you go to church and they sing silent night and everybody lights the candles i just always thought that was super cool so yeah. um all right Our favorite christmas little drummer boy and it's a rendition that's really cool it's like modernized i guess okay Okay. So that was my vote for classic. Favorite Christmas movie? Oh, National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation. Really? Okay. Easily, yeah. Okay, solid choice. Um, have you ever seen the movie The Night Before? No. Okay, so it's it's like a not a traditional Christmas movie. It's like a Seth Rogen and oh. uh, <laughs> Joseph Gordon-Levitt are in it, but it's so funny. That's like again very underrated easily my favorite christmas movie not like super inappropriate for like watching with your kids but great movie and elf i love elf elf is a good one yeah okay um all right so to get into some trading nutrition questions maximum amount of protein powder in one day eg two scoops in oatmeal and a shake is this okay definitely i think that I'm interested in your perspective on this. I think, well, there's a fine, there's a line we're walking here, right? So if your protein consumption, so like specific protein powders, I think it's honestly more specific to the protein powder than like as a whole is protein powder, like something that should be avoided. Like, um, was it PES science that we were talking about where, and I was just talking about this with a client the other day as well, where that's a very common one where, hey, it might taste good, but a lot of people do seem to have like a lot of digestive issues stemming from it um, based on like this fillers and different, the different ingredients within that. So that said, if we look at like, what is whey protein? It's basically what they skim off of the top when they make cheese, right? So it's like, I look at it as very similar as like, hey, should you avoid cheese in your diet? Well, I, I definitely don't want to. I don't need as I wish I could eat more cheese in my diet than I do, but like 
within that, it's not, I think people look at it as very much like a, it, as not being a food where it's still something that I would definitely consider a food as much as like cheese is a food, but also similar to cheese. Like if we do an incredibly, like, like if we do a huge amount, you're probably not going to feel your best. You're probably not going to digest it the best. Right. So within that, I think like all things, I think the problem people run into which again, I don't know how this cheese analogy holds up perfectly. So I think you like if we could relate it to like any other dairy, it's like, should you avoid Greek yogurt? It's a great protein source. But similarly, if we're eating like 200 grams of Greek yogurt or 200 grams of protein a day and 150 grams of that as protein is coming from Greek yogurt, you are not going to feel your best, right? That's not that Greek yogurt is bad. It's more so if we go with an extremely large dose, again, that might start to impact digestion and things of that nature. But again, like I think that if you feel fine on it, I think that two scoops of protein a day is perfectly fine. I mean, for me personally, what I have before I train, I have two scoops and then post-training I have one and then I have another in the evening. So I have, I mean, I have four scoops of protein a day. My protein goal is also 270 grams a day. So I'm still getting like another 190 from other protein sources. But again, like I don't personally think that there's a problem with it as long as you digest it well. And it's not to the point where it's driving out like other nutrients. So for example, if we weren't getting in any meat, for example, because we completely replace that with protein powder, there's probably some micronutrients that we are missing that we would feel better with. We would function better if we have those in our diet. But I think again, like in a reasonable dose, if it's something like 25-ish percent of your overall protein intake, I don't think there's anything wrong with that. What's your take on that? I fully agree with everything you said. Something that I talk to clients a lot about is going off of digestion. So mm -hmm. you're feeling good and you're digesting it just fine. I don't see any issue with it. If you are in a fat loss phase and you're consistently hungry, it might be a better use of your calories to eat something that's more that's good insight. Um, but other than that, I agree with everything you said. And it also, you know, as long as you have a good quality protein source, it's going to have a really good amino acid profile. So it could be even better than if you're replacing it. If you are replacing something else that doesn't have that. Um, and it's really convenient and helpful for hitting a higher protein goal, especially if you're not used to hitting that higher protein goal. So yeah, I like it. I think that there is a, there's a particular type of like flexible dieter that will just eat protein powder treats <laughs> for mm -hmm. every meal and hit their, their protein goal that way. And I don't love that because it tends to just be like so many ingredients into one thing to where it just, it's typically harder on digestion. You're eating sweet things all day long, which is, I don't know. I, I think that it can lead to just not the best relationship with food and regular meals, but outside of those really specific situations, I think that as, you know, as much protein powder as you prefer to use and need to use for convenience and digest, then it's hundred percent fine. I do like steering more toward things like a protein or a um, weight isolate with mm -hmm a low amount of ingredients as much as possible. That way you can digest it really well. And those things, like there's a really big difference that I've noticed in myself going between 
a really um, like two, three ingredient whey isolate versus something like that PE science type food where your, your digestion is completely different. And if you're just kind of used to living like that, and then you switch over to more whole foods or like a higher quality protein, you'll notice a huge difference. Yeah. I, on the, on the similar note, one, a new client was asking me the other day, Hey, if I don't want to drink a lot of protein, is that going to be a problem if I don't want to implement a lot of protein powders? And on a similar note, like absolutely not. If you want to get it through whole foods, that is great. We fully encourage that. So we're on the same token where I feel this is something we're very neutral about. Whereas again, like what makes it convenient for your lifestyle? What works best for your digestion? But on the similar token, we're not going to like, if it's like, Hey, I don't want to work in protein powder. That is perfectly fine. Uh, what, what whey protein isolate do you use? Do you use the muscle feast one? Right now I use muscle feast. Yeah. Yeah. I think everybody on our team, or at least I know you, Julie and myself all use the muscle feast whey protein isolate. So like if you go on Amazon, if you're looking for a protein powder, um, personally, again, what at least three, I'm not sure. I think Natalie uses Legion actually. Um, I use a lot of Legion too, but I even noticed like Legion is a great quality protein, but they do add some Xanthan gum or maybe another gum in there in a pretty small quantity. But I notice with using muscle feast for a long period of time and then switching over to Legion, I do notice a difference in my digestion. So yeah, I, that's... it's not that I'm not like saying that Legion is not high quality. We, I think we've all used that and it's great, but, and it also tastes, it has more taste to it yeah, than it, the it muscle. It does taste a bit better. Yeah. But it, that's because of all of those things. So I think that's almost like one of those things where like the better it tastes, the more fillers, you know, it has in it because whey doesn't really have a strong taste. They have to add that kind of stuff in there. Yeah, absolutely. No, I agree. Um, so, I mean, if you are like struggling with digestion with your protein, for example, um, I think we personally all really like the muscle feast whey protein isolate. And if you look it up on Amazon, it's actually like 25 to $30. It's like, if you look it on, if you, I think it's lab door, they're like the highest rated company as far as like the ingredients actually like that are in there actually matching what is on the back of the canister. Like it's a very high quality protein. It tends to do very well with people's digestion. And it's also again, like 20 ish bucks cheaper than it typically is for like a five pound serving of protein. So, um, great deal there. Okay, cool. Next question, which I'm going to kick over to you first. What are your goals for 2023? Oh, geez. <laughs> you know, I really haven't put a ton of thought into this, um, just yet. Uh, we, we are going to have a team meetup soon, like early, early in 2023. And I know that's something that we always talk about. So, um, we'll definitely have some in place there, but really oh. I'm not like a, go ahead. I was gonna say, I can provide a little bit of direction for you if you want it. Yeah. But go ahead. Okay. Let's start I, with I'm you. not a huge, like, like a uh, new year's goal person. I, I never have really done that. I typically have like something that I'm striving for with nutrition and fitness. And then I kind of always am just wanting to, I, I look like very close ahead of me with coaching and like, what can I do to, you know, learn about this or that or improve co like um, communication with coaching or whatever it may be. I, I don't typically have these like huge 
five-year goals because everything changes so much. It's, it's not something that I've ever been able to anticipate. Like five years ago now, I wouldn't have been able to set the goal for myself to be here because I didn't even realize it was an option for me. So I've never really done that. Um, I know that there, like some people do find a ton of value in it, but yeah, that's my very, (laughs) that's one thing though, that I respect and always impresses me about you. You are probably one of the most processed focused people I know where you're never like talking about the things that you're going to do. Um, but you're very good at just actually taking action on the next thing in front of you and not even making a big deal of, again, you don't talk about it. So like, I was thinking about this with all three, with you, Julie and Natalie, just like how much all of you have grown since like the start of like our relationships. I was thinking about like when I just reminisce on this stuff sometimes and it just gets me in my feelings, but I was thinking about like our first call where it was like, when you wanted to start coaching, which I think was in 2018. Um, and it was super weird. Like I could tell you were super distracted the whole time. And I was like, <laughs> yeah, that, she's definitely not going to sign up. Um, and then you like emailed me, Hey, I'm so sorry. My kid pooped in the pool, but like, here's my, here's my card info. And it was so, it's just like, so funny to think even like, or even like when you first came on board, how much you have grown since then. But it's, it like always surprises me because you never like talk about it. You never like tell me like, Hey, I'm going to do this thing. It just happens. And then it's like, Oh shit. Okay, cool. Like, I guess Andrew's doing that, this thing now, like that's incredible. I am so stoked about that. So it's like, uh, you're very, you've grown so much, but I admire so much how you go about it by just like taking action on the next thing in front of you. And just kind of letting that speak for itself, right? Where I feel like you've very much grown into such a leader in our company, but it's not because you said like, I'm going to become a leader. And it's just like, I kind of like, it's just like you've made it happen by your actions. So it's like, I can't help, but like, it's just kind of how it has to be. Um, I don't know if that makes sense or not, but okay. So if we're to divide this into like body, so your physique, um, your growth as a coach. So let's say like your career um, relationships, if there's like one area, if we're looking at like life periodization there, if there's one area that you want to prioritize of those three, which is it? Oh gosh. Um, that's so hard for me. Cause I feel like I can, I feel like I can improve. I have room for improvement everywhere. And Mm -hmm. I don't like saying, well, I'm going to just maintain this area of life. Yeah. Um, It's just more focused. Not that we can't grow everywhere. Yeah. So the relationship one is difficult for me too, because I don't feel like that's an area where I've ever had huge goals. Like I just want it. I want to, (laughs) I want that to be good. Like a positive, like supportive place in my life, but I don't ever think about having goals specifically there. Um, so I guess the answer would have to be like coaching. So the business side. Okay. Where do you want to grow there? You're going to make me put you on the spot here so hard. (laughs) So I know that the direction that I need, I want you to say your goal because I know what it is and I want you to put it out there. So take it away. 
Yeah. So I, I would like to grow in terms of um, like putting myself out there with in a more public way, whether it be like speaking or other people's podcasts, that makes me incredibly uncomfortable because of things like not remembering Elton John's name. Like my mind just comes blank with stuff sometimes and it embarrasses me. Um, but I know that that's the direction that is next for me. So that, that will be my next goal. Okay. I love it. I'm really excited to see you step into that role as well. You're very ready. And again, you have so much knowledge to give. I'm, I'm excited to see you step into that this year. Um, cool. I would say personally, I feel like when I look at those quadrants, it always comes down to, I always decide like the biggest priority is like our coaching company. At least that's how it's been for like the last five to six years. I don't honestly really see that changing this year. Um, I feel like, like with, with relationships, I definitely see I'm very happy with like this last, I do feel like this last like six to eight months, I, my physique was very much not that's And that's, again, I think like when we're talking about things like this, I don't feel like it's ever like, yeah, my relationships just on the back burner. Like, sorry, yeah, Kate, no, <laughs> we're not like going to say, <laughs> I don't want to like put that out there, but I, I, I again, like think like, it's like, Hey, I can prioritize this a little bit more, but I can't like push a hundred percent in every area. Um, physique was definitely like a hard push over the last six to eight months with like everything, especially like with the, uh, fat loss phase of photo shoot with Brandon, um, ramping my steps up, even like ramping the amount of training days up. Um, and even like the depth we were going, we've been going to and everything there. That's something that he asked me about as well. Like, Hey, what do you want to do in this next six months? Like how, how much of a priority is your training versus your business like your physique development like building more muscle versus like the business side of things that's honestly something i've been kind of torn on um where it's again like not at all like i stopped doing the things or stopped practicing what i'm preaching to the client to clients but it definitely was a hard push over this last six months right so uh, i'm kind of torn there i think that my biggest goal for this year for 2023 is I want to continue to build our community more where I know, I know we've talked about this and talked about this openly quite a bit where we have such dope people on our coaching roster and everyone has such good, like one-on-one relationships with their coaches, but I want to like bring all of our people together more and connect everyone more, be that like in the Facebook group, be that like in-person meetups. I know we talked about like meeting up with everyone, like when they're in Scottsdale, I, I, I've been thinking it would be cool to like, I don't know what this would actually look like, but like go on a tour, like around the country. Maybe if we have like meetups and it, it could be hard, like every three to six months, like, Hey, maybe we're going somewhere else where like, this is a hub where a lot of our clients are. Right. And then depending on where we're like, Hey, we can at least meet up with you guys here. And I've talked about long-term, um, like actually having a space that's like a content studio where we have a gym and actually like having client meetups there, which that would be here in Scottsdale. I think that would be incredible. I don't know if that is realistic in 2023. I don't know if I want to make that a, like a 2023 goal quite yet. Um, but I think really like just continue to build our community where it's honestly similar to you. I, I do set goals quite often. I'll, I'll typically set like goals every three months for like the next quarter. But I, after I set them, I don't really revisit it. And then it's normally like, okay, here's the process. And then I'll, it'll off. I won't always, but a lot of times I'll like look back like six months later, three months later, 
And, oh yeah, cool. I did hit those things, but you don't really like think about it too much after that. But I also feel like, like, even if we look at like our coaching company, it's nothing that we've done is like that much different. It's just like looking at how can we continuously improve, right? Working with more people. And I feel like that's where, again, it's much more like process focused than us being like, okay, these are the exact goals we're setting. And here's where we're going to be at the end of 2022. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Cool. Yeah, that's exactly how I feel. Like we, I, I hadn't even thought about the goals that we set whenever we were in Scottsdale last. And one of them was like, max out our rosters and add a new coach. And we've done those things, but it hasn't been like. I know we haven't <laughs> had another discussion about them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It, which is a funny thing to think about because again, it's not like it's cool to reflect on. And if we look at like at the first meetup that we had in Scottsdale as well, like we had achieved all those things too. But again, it's very much like okay, here's the process. Let's get into like, and then I don't I don't know how much value it is to like constantly revisit those things. So I think we both answered the question kind of terribly, but. <laughs> I think that's where both of our heads are at for um, the year. All right. Final question we have is, can you explain when you would and wouldn't use a reverse diet post diet? So I feel like we got a lot of reverse. I feel like there's as a whole been so much conversation around reverse dieting. I would definitely recommend checking out also the podcast on reverse dieting that I recorded with Aaron Straker and Brian Borstein. Um what I guess that was about a month ago now. I posted it here. All or check out their podcast, E Trade Prosper. Great podcast. It'll be from like the end of October or early November. Early November, actually. Um, but yeah, when you wouldn't wouldn't use a reverse diet. Um, so I think like the definition of a reverse diet is important. And it's also something that can change quite a bit, right? Where I think traditionally, at least when I think of reverse diet defined in like how most people explain it, it's like a slow calorie increase, like 50 ish calories every single week. Maybe we add 10 grams of carbs or maybe we add five grams of fat. It's like, Hey, let's say that you ended your diet at 1500 calories. Okay. First week of the reverse diet, we're going to bump you up to 1550. Right. And we're slowly increasing until we get to like your maintenance calories. Now there are, it's in, I will never take a, an approach that is that conservative. Do you ever take an approach just like that conservative? No, never. Okay. So within that, no matter what I, I will say like, it's, I also don't think there's a situation that I ever don't use like any type of reverse diet. And I again, think just how we refine it or define it is a little bit different. So typically we're going to make a pretty decent sized jump. Now, how big of a jump we make depends on the client. So we do know that, um, once the deficit is like we're at the end of the diet, there is not necessarily a need for us to stay in a deficit any longer. Like from a physiological perspective, is that going to be advantageous? If we reach our fat loss goals, then why stay in a deficit longer, right? It's going to be harder on our us hormonally. It's going to make it much harder to build muscle to recover from our training. So it makes sense that we try to get out of a deficit as quickly as possible in most cases, right? So generally I'm going to bump a client up to about 80 to 90% of their estimated maintenance. And again, keep in mind here, part of the problem too, I think with the perception of reverse dieting is people 
think maintenance is something that's very much fixed, right? So it's like, we're not jumping. So if before you started the diet, let's say your maintenance calorie intake was 2,500 calories. Maintenance is very much a product of your current body size, how much you're eating, how much you're currently moving. So even if you are moving the same, um, we're, we're not eating as much, right? At the end of the diet, our body size isn't going to be the same. And the reality is like, as we diet, our body's naturally going to downregulate pacing, fidgeting, blinking. So we're also not going to be moving quite as much. So thus our maintenance calories are going to be a decent bit lower than they were at the start of the diet, right? So we can't just like, when I'm saying maintenance, it's going to be like our new maintenance, which again, should change and should decrease if you lost body fat and or body weight, right? So um, that maintenance intake is going to be a little bit lower, but from there, again, I'm typically going to jump to about 80 to 90% of that now. And just to make sure we don't overshoot maintenance. And then once we get and try to get the client back to like, what I think is the, at least the lower end of their estimated maintenance in the first couple of weeks. And then from there, that's what I'm more, because again, it's understanding that as we feed you more, we're burning more calories through digestion. We're also going to have more energy. So we're going to do more pacing, fidgeting, blinking. We might be able to ramp up training volume a little bit more as well. So we're burning more calories in our training and we need more calories for recovery. So thus it's going to take more food for you to maintain. So that's where, again, like once we are at maintenance, then it's like slowly trying to ramp up your maintenance calories every. So that's where we might take this process more similar to like, Hey, every one to two weeks, we're adding in something like 50 to hundred calories. Now, the exception to that is something like so I think of like clients that I have prepped for their wedding where, okay, we've gotten you to the point where you are as lean as you want to be or very close to as lean as you want to be. And we want to basically like keep you stuck right here, but let's say we're like four to six weeks out from the wedding and we want to be extremely careful with making sure that we aren't like, we're not seeing any changes in measurements. Cause a lot of times it's like, Hey, I got, I got fitted for my dress. I can't see like my measurements go up any further. That's a situation where I have oftentimes like, Hey, let's back out of this deficit a little bit slower. So maybe we would jump to like 50% of the estimated maintenance and then like slowly increase like further from there. And then again, like the wedding after, like as soon as the wedding's over, we're back to maintenance a little bit quicker, but that's the only, even then, like it's a more aggressive approach or if I don't think the client can handle it well, psychologically, because I'll also I'll say like, um, a lot of times if people like this has been, and you'll, you'll know, uh, b- by the client, but if people are more prone to like having these big swings to like, I'm either hundred percent on or like, oh man, I feel like it fell off entirely. Um, and how the client, re- it's not like those situations happening, but how the client responds to that, the clients that tend to respond to that with like, ah, like it's, it's something that's very emotional rather than like, they're able to look at it very objectively. Typically I found those clients, if we often will respond a little bit better in this post diet period with having a little bit more structure, right. It's nothing physiological, but rather just like from a psychological perspective, I often found those clients, if we're a little bit more conservative with again, like, Hey, maybe we just jump up. Okay. You were in a 500 calorie deficit again, maybe we're adding 250 to 300 calories, still a pretty decent jump. But again, we're not like letting the reins loose quite as much. And we're kind of easing into this period of time where we have a lot more flexibility. I've often found that goes quite a bit better than entirely. Like we're just giving you so much more flexibility in one fell swoop that again, then it's oftentimes like, Hey, okay. Then we're struggling to keep on track as a whole. Does that all make sense? Do you have any thoughts there? That all makes sense. I agree with everything there. I think the, so 
from my perspective, the reason that everyone started talking about this and it kind of got controversial again was the um, stronger by science breakdown of reverse dieting and how it really doesn't work or do anything. So the, the issue there is I feel like that's just, it's from the wrong perspective. So they're, they're taking it from the perspective of does reverse dieting increase your metabolic rate? Like, can you supercharge your metabolism by essentially like starting from maintenance and then reverse dieting from there and just like have this crazy metabolism where you can eat so much food. And like you said, metabolism or maintenance is a range. So to some degree, you can do that a little bit by, you know, if your food goes up, the components of your metabolism sometimes will increase along with it. Like your movement, you might just spontaneously move more. Thermic effective food is up, things like that. Um, You might train harder. So to a, a small degree that kind of happens, but I think it's been explained wrong because it's not, it's not anything like tricking your metabolism at all. And, um, so, so yeah, I do it very similar to you. Um, and it's really dependent on the client. So with someone who through a fat loss phase has been really consistently losing and they're at an intake that is like, if you were to use the calculator for, um, like the calorie calculator, it it very much makes sense based on that. Like there's, they're eating a good amount of food for what you would expect. Um, and, and it's not someone who you're just constantly having to troubleshoot or break plateaus or things like that. Well, that's someone who you can pretty much expect to just jump back up to 80, 90% and then Mm -hmm. increase from there. Whereas if somebody has been like really grindy in fat loss and you, you are continually having to make adjustments and troubleshoot and things are just slower. That's someone who I will reverse diet slower. But like you said, it's never that 10 carb them. They used to like at the very beginning of reverse dieting, they would say you're going to like 10 carb you to death or five carb you to death where you increase by five to 10 each week. And that's never something that I do, but um, I will make much more conservative increases with that kind of client just because like you said mentally it might it it's easier for one um because like if they've gone through this really difficult grindy fat loss phase and then they jump up three or four pounds right off the bat it's like oh my gosh i did all this hard work and it was so difficult and now i'm like going to go right back to where i came from so if you take it slower it's mentally easier but then i also think that that type of person just has the more adaptive metabolism where if you take food up slower, their metabolic rate has a chance to kind of like keep pace with those increases. And if you jump them up faster, it may take a little bit more time for that metabolic adaptation to increase along with the food coming up, if that makes sense. So you're kind of like outpacing that, that increase in food. Um, Does that make sense? No, that makes complete sense. And that's, okay. that's a great point because I do the same thing. Clients that are like their fat loss was a lot grindier where it's also often, again, we had to diet you on a lot lower calories than we expected. I'm always much more conservative in the reverse there as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that just goes back to the adaptive versus rigid metabolism um, thing that we've talked about quite a bit. And I feel like it, that is pretty explanatory with like how they would need to reverse diet because if they are adaptive, 
they will adapt slower on the way back up too. <laughs> and so right. that just, that just really makes sense to me from how I, Oh, I agree. We just need time for those adaptations to happen in reverse. Whereas again, this person that's more rigid, they didn't necessarily see as many adaptations. So we have like more room for, we have a larger margin to increase calories because yeah. they saw less downward adaptations. So I think that makes complete sense. And it could also be that that person who appears to have a more rigid metabolism just stuck to their diet a lot better. And so if you increase True. their food more quickly, they're going to stick to that better too. And so if they're not sticking to it on the way down, they also need to be more conservative on the way up, or it's almost like the floodgates are open and, and it's harder because it's more difficult to stick to something. If you make a big, like five to 600 calorie jump, Versus if you're making smaller jumps up because you don't have to change your diet as much in the second situation. Oh yeah, absolutely. And that's again, very much what I was saying as well Is it's almost like if we give you so much or so much of this conversation is psychological, right? Where if we give so much where it's like, oh shit, I have 600 calories more. Like what am I going to do with all this? Right. Whereas again, I think if it's like, Hey, I have 300 calories more. And again, this very much depends on the client. I think the most quote unquote optimal again, from a purely physiological level would be, Hey, we give every, we get everybody right back to maintenance ASAP. Mm -hmm. Right. But again, like in actual application, I don't think it works out like that all the time because the coaching is very much, if we're just focused on what's most optimal physiologically, we're leaving so much on the table as far as actually creating a plan that's realistic, sustainable and get someone to where they want to be. Right. Because it's, it's like, Again, what do you have going on in your life? What are your stressors like? What's your mindset like? All these factors like are so important, are just as important in our ability to actually get the result as just like, hey, physiologically, what makes the most sense? Yeah. And that, that's not even going into the side of things of like the recovery diet versus reverse diet, which is more geared towards like competitors and we don't coach competitors. So that's not really applicable to, to our clients, but that like anti-reverse diet, <laughs> um, kind of came the, the, that viewpoint kind of came initially, I think from, well, that's, that doesn't make any sense when you're dealing with competitors who need to add body fat back in order to be healthy, but that's typically not the kind of person that we're working with. So. Right. Right. Absolutely. And I mean, there are some people will prefer photo shoots like, uh, Kate and Anna, I think are the two and Natalie. You, yeah. all three of them, like we have had to go through, Hey, for you to be healthy, to restore your biofeedback, we actually need to regain some body fat. And also they understood like in the process of going down, like we're not going to say this lean, right? Because we're below the point where you're so much, uh, so many of your hormones are going to be tied to the actual amount of fat that we have on our frame, how you feel is going to largely our ability to build muscle, right? Does our body prioritize adding muscle tissue back or does it prioritize adding fat tissue back? Like that's largely going to be dependent on how lean we are. So yeah, I think that's, that does come up from time to time, but I think that for most clients, um, it's like, hey, I just want to get lifestyle lean. I want to feel good. I want to get like at a sustainable level of lean. Then again, the idea of a recovery diet isn't as applicable. Yeah. Cool. Um, anything else to add to all that? Like five to 10 carb increases yourself. I did. So there's, there's a coach that put out a protocol that was like every other week you would add 10 carbs and then on the off weeks or no, on the weeks where you add, you do five hit intervals. 
And so it's like you're stair-stepping up. You increase the food and hit, and then you drop the hit out and the food stays. And then you increase both, and then the drop the hit out and the food stays. And it actually worked really well for me, but I was also just like increasing up to <laughs> like the, the upper end of maintenance. It wasn't like this w- allowed you to increase your metabolic rate by any anywhere above like where you would n- normally. But I think that increasing with the hit, I don't know, it just like, it was, it was interesting. I, I, I've heard that a little bit more recently with like, um, competitor coaches. Uh-huh. So it's just a, a really interesting way of thinking about it. Cause it's like you increase the food and you drive it into the muscle with hit and then you drop out the hit and leave the food. And so you drop the hit. Yeah. You drop every, the hit the next week. Yeah. So you, you increase food and hit and then mm-hmm. the food stays and you drop the hit. And then the next week you increase food and hit. And you drop the hit the next week and the food stays. So it's like it stair steps up. But the amount of food, the amount of actual hit that you're doing every other week increases as well. No, it's always five intervals. Okay. The way that I did it. Yeah. I just did it as like a self-experimentation and it was really interesting. And at that point in my life, I was able to <laughs> be in a place where I could just like increase by 10 carbs and feel pretty good about my accuracy there. Yeah. I, honestly don't know right now if I would want to do it that way, but it was interesting. Yeah. I know the coach you're talking about, and I remember you and I talking about this in 2018, because I remember like us having a lot different, or at least like you talking about that. And I was like, why would you do that? And you (laughs) kind of directed me to the coach. I, I should have him on the podcast. Actually. I'm interested to hear like what his thoughts would be on that now. Um, that would be really interesting. do you think that you were able to get your maintenance calories like considerably like do you think there's actually any efficacy to that do you think that would if if it was like hey i want to drive my maintenance calories higher but i also don't want to have to keep doing hit after the reverse diet is over do you think that there's like any efficacy to that so the the thing that i think does have some merit there is this whole approach was geared specifically toward someone who has a difficult time adding food, like the mesomorph type person who maybe has a little bit higher blood glucose. And so you're a little bit less carb tolerant. And so adding food in, if you, it, it's almost like taking a um, GDA, right? Like okay. doing those, the, that micro dose of hit uh, whenever you add the food in, it's like, it, it gives the food a job, like take it to the muscle cell and, and then you drop that out to, to get yourself to like maintain that without the hit, if that makes sense for the Mm -hmm. next week. And then you, yeah. So I I think that I didn't necessarily need it. Like I was overworking myself anyway. That was the time when I was doing powerlifting plus bodybuilding style accessories on top of that and taking everything way too close to failure. So I don't think that at that time I needed it, but I do think that it is a good idea for someone who's less carb tolerant because it, that that hit like makes you a little bit more insulin sensitive for that period of adding food that it's makes very sense. but he is admittedly pro sciencey <laughs> yeah no that that is a super interesting concept how many days a week were you doing it i can't remember now i want to say three three of five intervals but i don't know if that's right i can't remember for sure okay interesting huh um, 
I'll have to look more into that. Again, I think I'm going to have him on the podcast because I, the coach that you're talking about is John Corman, right? Yeah. Yeah. I do, I do really like all his content and I, like we've been doing the mentorship program under Jason Theobald and I know they're kind of closely tied together as well. I, I, that I'll have to reach out to him, but cool. Um, anything else to add before we wrap this up? No, don't think so. Cool. All right. Well, in that case, that is all we have for y'all for this time. If you were listening to this on the day it drops the 23rd, Merry Christmas. Um, and we will catch you guys next time.